0: Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Justin Klein listens to your questions.
1: Hi, Justin. Hi, Steve. I had a question about 401k plan target dates. My retirement date set is actually 2045, and given that I have 25 million years to go before I retire, I would like to get
2: the
0: most out of my money. And provides unbiased answers.
2: Well, first off, congratulations on saving so much. Sounds like a total of roughly 16% of your uh, paycheck is being saved.
0: Invest InvestTalk. Over 32 million downloads and counting.
3: Hi, this is Jason from Memphis. Uh, I was calling about Wells Fargo. WFC it seems expensive compared to its peers, so I'm wondering what you think of it.
0: Your participation makes it unique. Eight 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 ninety nine 99
4: shark This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast.
2: Fellow investors, and a welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Monday, June twenty first, twenty twenty one edition of Invest Talk, and I appreciate you all tuning in this hour. Hopefully, we're going to dig into last week's price movement in the markets. Uh, I'm sure you've seen that in your portfolio, uh, and if you've been following the markets, and definitely a change of tune last week from the. Raging inflation trade that we've seen uh, so far this year. And the question is, is that the end? Is uh, is this a consolidation period? What does the second half of the year bring us? You know, I've been saying that second half of the year will be different than the first half of the year. And we saw that. Uh, Even though we're not quite to the second half. I know we have about a week and a half left. But I think that was your first warning sign. I shall you say, or a wake up call to, hey, you know, these markets are volatile and a lot can throw a wrench into market sentiment in the short term. But the bigger question is, what does it mean for the longer term? I think there's a message here that the market is sending that you've taken into account. Uh, we're going to discuss all of that, and you have to discuss that in context. You know, I've said this before. The major themes that you have to understand about today's market are the end of the long, long-term debt cycle, that's why we're at zero rates, that's why the Fed is doing what it's doing. We also know the fourth turning, change in the political environment, and which will lead to good things in the end, but leads to... Difficult times uh, in the short to medium term. And then the shift towards fiscal dominance. Our economy is now no longer driven by lower interest rates or the Fed trying to create more lending and borrowing. We're at the end of that rope. But we're at the beginning of spending. It doesn't seem like it. But that's where we're at. Economy is reliant on governments to spend, to shift, to change in what has been an economy that's been dominated by Federal Reserve and Central Bank globally, their actions over the past 30, 40 years. So the, last week was just one. message that the market was sending you i know i was out on vacation it always happens that way whenever i go on vacation markets get a little crazy but we're going to talk about that we're going to talk about anything that's on your mind and as always i'm going to operate with my mission statement which is independent thinking and shared success so i'm talking about the market sector stock strategy whatever it is i'm here to give it to you without bias i'm going to give you the facts using the data in front of me as well as my 20 plus years of investment experience. Now, I'm Justin Klein. Of course, I encourage you to reach out to me right now and call and interact with us during our live program, 4 to 5 Pacific Time, or you can leave a question on our Anytime Invest Talk Voice Bank. Either way, that number never changes. 888 99 chart is the number. So let's get right to our first listener question now. Hi, this is Jason from Memphis. Uh, I was calling about
3: Wells Fargo, WFC. Uh, it's run up a lot since last March, like everything else. And it, it seems expensive compared to its peers, so I'm wondering what you think of it. I'll listen for the answer on the podcast.
2: Thanks. All right, looking at Wells Fargo. Um, you're looking to buy it, but it seems expensive to its peers. I, I'm curious on that comment. I don't know why you'd want to buy something that's more expensive than its peers, unless there's something uh, radically amazing about uh, the company, but Wells Fargo is has had its troubles. We you know they had that scandal, account opening scandal, and they've been dealing with a lot of issues for um, the last few years. And they continue to struggle, although they're they've rallied since the March lows. Well, actually, if you look at the chart, it made a lower low in late October, early November which is really interesting because the sector as a whole didn't do that. In fact, if you look at XLF, it just made a series of higher lows and higher highs ever since last March. And so that relative underperformance makes you say, why do I want to own this? XLF is above pre-pandemic levels. Wells Fargo is well below still. Pre-pandemic it was at uh, what's that? 47, now we're at 43, I guess 10% lower, but still. I just don't like the name out of the big banks, and if I'm going to be in the banks, I want to be in more regional banks, ones that have more flexibility, that can invest in smaller deals. Remember, when you're in a big bank, you need billion-dollar deals. You need large, large deals when it comes to bringing in money lending and those are difficult to find smaller banks can operate uh with less scrutiny um, when it comes to capital charges remember too big to fail well as far as one of those and so multiple factors weigh into the fact that bigger banks have trouble being quite as profitable as the more small to medium-sized banks and so i would rather own one of those. So I'm going to pass on Wells Fargo and it's probably the worst of the large banks. And I don't really like the large banks in comparison to some of smaller ones. So definitely pass. Now, my focus point today centered on this story after hitting historic highs, lumber prices had fallen had their biggest drop ever. And this is in backdrop to the entire inflation picture and commodity bull market that we've seen recently. Wood or or lumber was up over 400% over a 15-month period. But now down 40% from its highs. What is the market telling us? About construction, about inflation, about the housing market. We're going to discuss that. Also, chasing yield. How how hard is it right now to find good yields? We're going to go over that and what pension funds are doing to do their best to sniff out yield. And then lastly, what's that job market looking like? We do have a tight labor market. How is it manifesting? So we're going to look at that. Now, let's look at the market today. S&P was up 58 points, a bounce off of support from last week. And the bullish move was that it closed above Friday's high. That's a bullish indication that we could I think power to new highs, but I still think the back half of the year is going to be a much choppier time in the markets and doesn't mean the rotation out of growth and value is going to stall, but you know you can get times where growth will do a bit better. I think a lot of the Inflation trade will will moderate some, and it will be dependent, once again, on the fiscal side. What does the stimulus package look like? When does it hit? When does it get passed, and when will actual money be spent? Because a lot of times, especially in infrastructure, that money isn't spent for a few years. How much will be put together, put, so put to work initially? How much will be put to work over time? And what kind of inflation will that bring? What kind of demand on labor will that bring? All that's going to be vital. So while I do think we are getting a, a bounce here, and I think this bounce may last for a little bit, I do think this is the first sign of, Hey, the fed is pulling back the fed is looking to take its foot off the pedal they can't do that very much we know that they're going to act like it they're not going to be able to but they'll talk it it'll create a little volatility but at the end of the day they won't do a whole lot now we're heading into a quick break i'm back from my getaway vacation and happy to be here hosting invest talk and the phone lines are open now so give us a call with your questions at 888-99-CHART
0: Look at the calendar summer is here the market's been exhibiting volatility so investors are exposed to vulnerability justin klein is here now and he's ready for your finance and investment questions call invest talk 888 99
3: chart hi justin hi steve this is felix calling from uh, the south bay san pedro area i have a question about how to protect some savings I have that I'll be needing. I plan on using some money for a remodel, but I won't be ready to do the remodel for another five years. So I'm sitting on about $125,000, and I'm really concerned with it just sitting cash for five years. And I don't know what I should do with some of it or all of it. I actually did spend about $18,000 of it On gold as a, you know, hedge against inflation. So I think I guess I have about 130 left. I definitely don't feel comfortable going into the uh, stock market unless I'm uh, educated on some product or some fund that is safer and low risk as far as like within the next five years. So I guess that's my question to not overcomplicate it. I got a hundred thousand dollars. I won't need it for another five years. What should I do with it? Thank you very much. I'll keep listening.
2: All right. Well, you answer your question there when it comes to, to equities that uh, no equity position can be low risk. I'm gonna who you are. And that's a big lesson. To everyone out there. A lot of people say, well, oh, well, it's blue chip. They're blue chip companies. They're low risk. Uh-uh. Equities are high risk. Now, there's different shades, but all equities are high risk, okay? Remember, equity is the lowest part of the capital structure of a business. You're below everybody else, okay? So understand that. Next, you have a five-year time horizon, which isn't short. It's not long, so it's, in its medium. And you want to earn some return out of it without uh, a ton of risk. And this is what I would do. High-grade corporates. Individual bonds. should be able to buy them $10,000 at a time. can diversify between businesses, between companies. You're not going to get huge yield, but five years, you should be able to get somewhere in the neighborhood of three and a half, four percent 4%, somewhere, something like that. And you can target maturities going out. Roughly five years, 2026, 2027, that time frame. And so the, money, the, the bonds will mature around the time that you'll need it. And you're going to get much better yield than you're going to get from your money market account or high yield savings account, which is probably half a percent right now. So that's what I would do if I were you. It's relatively low risk as long as you're sticking with high-grade companies, quality companies, understanding the business. And the risk of defaults will be relatively low, especially when you diversify among 10, 12 different names. So that's what I would do. You don't want to keep it in savings. You're going to, inflation is going to eat you away. But if you can get three and a half, four percent 4%, you should be able to at least keep up with the inflation over the next five years. So thanks for the call. Great question. Now you're listening to Invest Talk, I'm Justin Klein, and your goal of financial freedom will require the right information and effective strategies. And that's why we are here is to help you and your participation is an important part of that mix. So we're taking your calls live at 99 Shark.
0: The stock market is volatile. It's constantly changing. So how are you positioned? Is your portfolio properly balanced or are you taking unnecessary risks? You can get guidance anytime for free if you go to investtalk.com and take the brief risk-alize quiz.
2: 88899 888-99 chart 88992 4278. And my focus point today is centered on this story. After hitting historic highs, lumber prices had their biggest drop ever. Well, lumber prices stabilize. And what does that mean for the price of new construction? Now we know that lumber hit a high of $1,711. In May, and it dropped 41% to a little over $1,000 just last week. And this is a big move, but you have to look at it in context. Over the last 15 months, lumber has gone up 400% to its high from a low right around $500 per share, not per share, per board feet, how uh, they uh, quote lumber. And that was kind of unsustainable pricing. It was adding about $36,000 to the price of a new home, which I said this before. This is driven by government policy when it comes to mortgage and rent moratorium, reducing the supply of new homes coming on market, on top of the fact that, yes, some people didn't want to sell their homes or have people go through their homes in uh, the midst of covid But that's all changing a bit with the economy reopening, COVID kind of getting behind us, and moratoriums being lifted in various states and, you know, in in fits and starts, say that. Um, But the drop in the demand or in the price, excuse me, I think it just simply reflects a slowdown in the inflation trade. That's really what you've seen recently, is commodities across the board. A lot of those have rallied dramatically over the past year plus are starting to go through a more volatile period, and that should be expected. After large runs in uh, things like wood, lumber, copper, oil, don't be shocked to see some volatility. Now, what tells me that this is just simply maybe sentiment being offside, uh, maybe some late-to-the-game hedge funds liquidating who didn't maybe really didn't believe in the inflation trade anyway, is that oil didn't really sell off that much. And oil is the inflation trade. Snap back right to where it was from Wednesday of last week. It tells me that yes, you're going to get volatility in various names, you know, dollar got a bit stronger. But the underlying source of the increase in commodity prices and the use of commodity prices is a stronger economy. And the oil market would have sold off a lot harder if there was really Anything that was going to sustainably push commodity prices lower, like a weaker economy. Once again, you can always have individual commodity names suffer, others outperform. That's the nature of commodities. They all all have their own supply-demand dynamics. But the message to me was that lumber just got overdone. You're seeing some... Dynamics I just spoke about kind of come undone, and I think that's why lumber had such a larger pullback than others. But oil is telling me, hey, there's still a lot of juice in the stimulus that's coming out or has come out of governments. And while you might see a pause in the inflation narrative slow down a bit, it's not going away. We're not going back to deflation because governments won't allow it. The market knows that now. Saw that with COVID. Hey, market went down, everything shut down. Let's just go spend, 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 spend. Guess what? They're going to spend, 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 spend when it's needed, when it's necessary. And they're going to spend in a way that will drive inflation. This isn't the Fed lowering rates. This isn't financial repression. This is fiscal spending driving money in the hands of individuals, businesses that are going to spend it either through spending in the economy or investing in their business, investing in infrastructure, things like that. Now let's keep things moving and pivot it back to the Invest Talk Voice Bank. This question came in earlier from Florida on eight 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 ninety nine chart Justin and Steve, Matt from South Florida,
1: thanks for uh, always having a great show. Wanted to get your opinion on Fleet Core, F-L-T. They specialize in corporate payments. Read a recent article that said using the uh, discounted cash flow model that this stock is actually about 7% undervalued. That's pretty rare these days where most stocks that are talked about on your show are actually pretty overvalued. So trying to diversify a little bit into a slightly different kind of payments stock and wanted to see if your opinion was that uh, this was overvalued or excuse me, undervalued as well. Thank
2: you. All right. Looking at fleet core. I'm I'm actually going to have to take this after the break. Um, So we're gonna talk to Vitaly from Atlanta as well. Hang on. You're on a best Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay. Stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's attack resistance platform. Learn more at hackerone.com. That's H A C K E R O N E dot com. HackerOne.com. Let's take a quick look at
0: your financial to do list. At the top, make that phone call to the Invest Talk Anytime listener line. Steve Peasley and Justin Klein will provide unbiased answers to your questions. Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART. 8899 chart eight eight nine nine two four
2: two seven eight. 4278 Now, before the break, we had a caller asking about Fleet Core Technologies. This is an interesting one because they provide specialized payment products. Fleet cards, food cards, corporate lodging discount cards, and other Specialized Payment Services. What they do is they enable its customers, a lot of government entities, major oil companies, etc., to manage and c- control their commercial payment and loyalty card programs. So that's pretty interesting. Um, commercial payment. I believe this has a lot to do with uh, payment solutions for uh, tracking expenses. So that's interesting. Uh, so I worry that if expenses, travel expenses are going down, that may be an issue here. Um, but if you look at the numbers of the business, they are doing very well. Um, even though trailing 12 months, their business is certainly slowed. They've been hurt by the pandemic. But they've been buying back shares. I like that. 95 million shares outstanding in 2016. Now 86 million. Been kind of consistently using their cash flow uh, to do that. They don't pay a dividend, so that's kind of their dividend. Their return equity has been consistently in the low twenties, which is very, very solid uh, longer term. That's why I like that. Uh, modest debt on their balance sheet, twenty-two billion dollar market cap. What I worry you though is the price of is below the two hundred day moving average, and it's closed down there now three times over the past three trading sessions, and tech, that's a, that's poor technically. Uh, The MACD looks weak. So I kind of like the business, but I really have to dig into how much of their business is actually going to come back because in 2020 earnings fell from 1179 in 2019 to 1109 and expect to be $12 and 55 cents this year, even though in the first quarter revenues were down 8%, earnings were down 6% year over year. That's an improvement from what you saw in the back half of 2020, but it's still a bit of a worry for me. So I worry about, I really have to dig into how much of their business is really going to come back. Is that kind of a a more of a short-term thing with COVID or because of business spending, is that going to change as well? So I'd really have to dig into, really like that story, that things are going to come back. If I do, then I do think it's relatively undervalued. If there's some permanent demand loss, then I would worry about what the valuation would be and where that would revalue probably lower. Let's go to Vitaly in Atlanta, looking at G-O-L-D, which is Barrick Gold, or are you looking at gold in general?
1: I'm looking at gold in general, but I'm looking at this ticker symbol, and I wanted Mm -hmm. to know if this ticker, or this stock particularly, is uh, one that you like if I'm trying to get into gold, as well as if you think it's a good time to get into gold.
2: Yeah, I do. Um, I know it's uh, pulled back here uh, pretty strongly over the past uh, few weeks, uh, and I do think this is a, a good buying opportunity. And Barrick itself, uh, it is a name we own for clients, and it is uh, we think pretty undervalued, uh, especially now after this drop. Yields one point seven percent, and they're doing very very well. Earnings up from thirty five cents in two thousand eighteen to expect to be a dollar thirty two next year twenty five this year. So uh, the, at these gold prices, even with the dipping back in the $1,700 range, uh, still producing very strong cash flow, uh, and it is a name that, that we like. It's one of the more consistent uh, producers, broadly diversified. They have operations in Canada, here in the U.S., Peru, Chile, and nine other countries. So we like the diversity as well. Cool. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for the call. This is Invest Talk, and we are on a roll. So let's grab another caller question. Hey,
1: this is Luke from Long Island Calling. I have recently begun writing covered calls for PLTR Palantir. I got into this equity early on. I don't believe that the trend is upward now. They don't make money yet. So in the meantime, I, I want to hold this as a long term hold. I believe that they have a constant future. Do you think that this is a good strategy? Is there any pitfalls for these covered calls? Anything that I need to know? Thank you very much. Look forward to hearing from you on the podcast.
2: Well, this is Palantir, and they are expected to make money this year. In fact, the first quarter, they made $0.04 cents a share, which, granted, isn't a lot on a $25.42 stock. Uh, but they are growing consistently. And the big question is, will they be able to grow into their valuation? And, uh you know that might take a little while for the market to figure that out and basically what you're saying is hey it might go nowhere for a while until there's some consensus on what that growth trajectory looks like and that profit trajectory etc so why not sell some cover calls and that's not a bad idea now the, the pitfalls are you're gonna you could potentially limit your upside if there is some explosive movement to the upside and but but a name like this, a tech name, you're going to get probably some good premiums. There's probably high uh, implied volatility on a name like this. I haven't looked at this name in particular, but uh, it's probably a good name to sell. That now, how I would do it is go out month, sixty days, something like that in your uh, in your expiration. You're going to get the best, typically the best uh, premium for the strike price that you're going to to pick. Uh, I would probably go in something right now, it's trading at $25. I'd probably look at the 28 to 30 range, somewhere in there. I think that's probably an area where you'll still get good premium, uh, but not limit yourself too much uh, to the upside. So I hope that helped. 888 chart 889 4278 That's how you get through and ask your question on today's show. Now, I want to quickly go over the the investment market as a whole right now uh because you while you may be having trouble uh finding good income in this market you're not the only one i know a lot of people are saying well invest in stocks you know stocks are going up and i I don't necessarily disagree with that stocks are typically good hedges against moderate inflation but In an environment where governments are likely to keep interest rates near zero for a long, long period of time, they may threaten to raise rates. I know, you know, last week was, oh, they might raise rates in 2023, two years from now. That's what the market freaked out about. Just shows you how little room they had to work with. Fed can't do anything. It's backed into a corner. Rates will be low. They will make sure of it. They won't let bond markets get out of control. They will monetize whatever is needed. Now that will manifest likely in a lower dollar over time, but that's where we're at. And so if you're looking for income, you're gonna have a very difficult time. And big pension funds are having the same problem. In fact, what, they're, what many of them are doing are, are exiting the public markets, going into the private markets. Private equity, for example. Problem is, in private equity, just like a lot of funds, a lot of fund types, there's some good ones, there's a lot of average ones, and there's some bad ones. And you just pick the few good ones for you to get above average returns. In fact, this, uh, this article that I'm looking at highlights uh, Pennsylvania's pension fund, public school pension fund, and over 10 years, they've returned about 7.7%, that, that, and that sounds pretty decent over the last decade, but it ranks 94th among 133 peers. And the reason is is because they use 170 different external managers. And what's even crazier is they're still expecting that return going forward, even though a decade ago, 2009, 10-year treasury was at 4%. And some of that money was invested in 10-year treasuries. Well, they're expecting the same return from 10-year treasuries, even though they're yielding 1.5% now. So it goes to show you can't look at past returns, especially when it comes to fixed income products. We're in a different environment had capital appreciation for almost every fixed income asset over the last decade, over the last five years. And so if you're looking for income, you have some choices, handful of choices. One, you can invest in more traditionally risky assets like stocks, although we know, like I said before, it's high risk. You have to make sure you understand that. And you have to be in the right areas because I guarantee you a decade from now, there'll be sectors and areas of the market that will drastically underperform and others that will just be home runs. You could add exotic products like private equity, hedge funds, etc. Just hope they don't blow up. Or you can just deal with environment where interest rates will be low and eventually they'll finally normalize but there's no silver bullet here. If you're going to get higher yields, you're going to have to take higher risk. Now, 2121 feels like it's moving fast, and it is. It's June 21st, the first day of summer. not exciting? And I think it's worth taking a minute to make you aware of some of the benefits of working with myself and Steve Peasley at our company, KPP Financial, in Irvine, California. Now, let me remind you that here in InvestTalk and at KPP, we operate with the same philosophy: independent thinking and shared success. Meaning, unbiased guidance. Whether we're talking to you through this channel, or a video chat, or a phone call, whatever it is, we're going to give you our unvarnished opinion, and we're going to practice parallel investing. We invest right alongside our clients, so we encourage you to take advantage of our free portfolio review assessment via telephone or go-to meetings. Just send us a message to investtalk.com or call our KPP financial offices in Irvine, California at 800-557-5461. Just speak for a few minutes and hopefully we can help. We would love to help in any way we can. Now, next up, Grace from the Bay Area. Hang on. You'll be next in one minute on InvestTalk. There
0: is good news for loyal InvestTalk listeners, their friends, and families. Steve and Justin have recorded a special bonus podcast. Been
3: listening for a while and
0: have got some great advice. This free podcast is available for download anytime. Typically, each day and night, the Invest Talk call center receives more voicemail questions than Steve and Justin can fit into a live show format. Hi, guys. Big fan of the show. So in the bonus program, caller questions will be played back from our voice bank, and answered with brief, unbiased, and helpful responses. I
2: think for like the next 10 years, commodities are going to be doing very well. It's in the money. You probably just want to sell it.
0: It's a fast-paced learning podcast for the average investor.
2: Absolutely love your show.
0: It's free, so be sure to tell your friends. It can be downloaded now at iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and investtalk.com. Look for Rapid Fire Hour.
2: Let's go talk with Grace in the barrier. Area. She's looking at FCX, Freeport Mac brand. Do you own it or looking to buy
1: it? Um, I own it, but I'm also thinking, trying to decide whether this is an opportunity to buy more or I should just uh, hold off.
2: Uh, I do think it's an opportunity to buy more. I, I like the copper space in general, especially with us mm-hmm. trying to electrify the uh, the, the uh, our, our car fleet throughout the uh, the country and even the world, and the modernizing the electric grid is definitely something that is on the docket for the infrastructure spending. That's going to take a lot of copper. It takes a lot of copper to to really produce uh, anything, uh, s- to build anything substantial, uh, and of with high technology. And so we like it, and it's it takes a while to bring copper on board, copper supply. And so this pullback to us is an opportunity to to pick up more if you believe in the the the, the narrative, if, if the if the governments don't spend, if you don't think an infrastructure package will be passed, if you think they're going to be more gridlocked than uh, than spending, then no, it won't be. But as long as you are in the camp, which I am, that they will spend, then copper should remain in high demand over the medium to long term. Well, thank you for the explanation. No problem. Thanks for the call, Grace. Eight eighty eight ninety nine chart, eight eight nine nine two four two seven eight. Uh let's touch on the touch on the labor market right now. And what's interesting here is that in the month of let's see, the average weekly wages in the leisure and hospitality sector, sector that suffered the worst of brunt of job losses during the pandemic, they were up 10.4% in May from February of 2020. So they're 10% higher than they were pre-pandemic. Pretty crazy, right? So what it's telling you is that a lot of people don't want to return to those jobs or they've moved on. think about it. If you're a bartender, a waiter, you're at of work for three, six, nine months, are you just going to sit back and just wait it out? No. A lot of those people are going to educate themselves, look for new opportunities in other sectors, and they're not going to go back to that job. It's not going to be quite as high paying usually and probably work harder in that that, uh, industry. And so you're seeing at least a short to medium term lack of supply of labor in that market which is a good thing for those people especially because a lot of people don't have high school diploma or didn't graduate from college and so there are other opportunities tend to be weaker but that will normalize over the long term as younger workers come into the workforce but in the short term it's going to create inflation in the leisure and hospitality space. Now we have one more break, so give me a call at 888 99Chart.
0: You are listening to Invest Talk. We've seen the markets go up, then down, sideways, and around. It's called volatility. And if you're a serious investor, you'll have finance and investment questions for Justin Klein. He's here now taking your calls live. Invest talk, 888-99-CHART.
1: Hi, Justin. Hi, Steve. I had a question about 401k plan target dates. My retirement date set is actually 2045. Currently with my company, I'm investing in the 2065 fund because I heard that it would be a little bit more aggressive. And given that I have 25 more years to go before I retire, I would like to get the most out of my money. Uh, My company does match 5%. I'm currently at an 11% on my own, plus their match. Just wondering your thoughts on whether I should be putting my money into the 2045 fund or the 2065 fund. All right, thank you. Look forward to hearing you and listen to your show every day.
2: Well, first off, congratulations on saving so much. Sounds like a total of roughly 16% of your uh, paycheck is being saved. That's fantastic. We always recommend somewhere in 10, 12%, but you're at 16%. So if you can do that consistently over time. You're going to do very, very well. Now your decision to go with the 2065 versus the 2045 is a strategy that definitely everybody can deploy if they want to take more risk. This is how targeted fu- date funds work. The closer it is until that date, the less aggressive it's going to be. Further out, more aggressive it's going to be. So that's something all of you can do. If you say, hey, I want to take more risk than average, uh, then pushing that out and investing in those later dates makes sense. Now, you probably want to look at the allocation. You should be able to do that. You should be able to get that information from the fund family is how much is in equities, how much is in bonds, other assets. And Determine whether that is the risk level you want to have. Now, in an environment, once again, where we're in a bull market, the economy's good, uh, governments are spending, typically equities are going to do fairly well. And so, having a higher allocation equities isn't a bad thing. Now, you get into a bad market, (laughs) suddenly that 2065, you'll be wishing you're in 2045. So that is a way for you to, I not want to say time the market, but put on more risk when you want to and take it off. But you could also do that individually. You have individual uh, fund names in there that you should be able to pick from in your in your uh, 401k. And that might be another way as well. Augment it. Saying maybe not have all your money in the targeted funds because I've said this before. They typically are not the greatest tools if you can do it yourself. So if you have the ability, this can do every day, hopefully you have the ability to maybe pick some of those funds, the better ones, and that would probably be a better way to go than just the later target date. Now looking at the clock, I think we can squeeze in one more question from this podcast, so let's play it right now.
1: Hey, Stephen Justin, this is Josh from Florida i was looking at ticker symbol nls uh nautilus Um, looks like it's been consolidating for a few months here and i was wondering if you thought this might be a good time to buy i appreciate your input thank you
2: bye Ooh, no nautilus they what they do is they manufacture fitness equipment they did very very well during the pandemic they lost money in 2019 66 cents and guess what everybody was trying to work out at home so what did they do they bought products that nautilus sells I believe they sell Bowflex, if I'm remembering correctly. Let me pull this up another system. Yeah, Bowflex, Schwinn. Uh, they sell directly through retail, um, so their products are were, were in demand. So they earned two dollars and forty six cents a share last year. Expected to only make a dollar this year, a dollar seventy next year. So the demand is expected to ebb. But the question is, why would they still make a dollar seventy? They never, they didn't make that the five years before the pandemic. Best year they had was a dollar six in two thousand sixteen. So why would suddenly not only was there a, a pull forward in demand for twenty twenty, but there's going to be way less demand going forward as June's, I know June, my June's back open fully. So to me, this is a consolidation period that is likely to head lower. This bearish consolidation. That would be. It's be good short. Would not be a good purchase. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peas And I thank you for listening, and we encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads. Get your free downloads anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. And as always, InvestTalk.com. And be sure to rate and review. You can browse by topic: 401k, cryptocurrency, Treasury yields, real estate, whatever you might find it interesting. Independent thinking, shared success. This is the Best Talk. Good night.
4: Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered and offered to buy or sell securities.